Dr. George Gordon is the Minister of Congregational Care Emeritus at our church. When George learned that we would be preaching a series on the stained glass windows, he mailed me, I mean mailed in the mail, the eulogy that he delivered for Arthur Daniel. Arthur Daniel and his wife Jessie May were charter members of our church. Arthur proposed to Jessie May on the 4th of July, and the two of them were married on the first day that they both had off of work after that, which was Christmas Day. They were married for 71 years, so I guess you could say it worked out. The two of them gave the rose window in the back of the chapel, and they gave the John window that we are looking at today. At the top of the window, John holds the book, which highlights a key verse from John's gospel, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The New Testament scholar Ernest Kazemann says that John's gospel is shallow enough for an infant to wade into and deep enough for an elephant to drown in. I think that is certainly true for this particular verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can trivialize this verse, or we can become lost in the mystery and wonder of it. How is it meant to shape our lives? The verse names one of the key themes in the book of John, which is life. Each of us must choose the way, choose the route or the road that we will walk as we go through this life. Should I go to graduate school? Is it time to retire? Are we ready to become parents? Should we adopt? Will I spend my time volunteering or playing golf? What is the best way? When Jesus says, I am the way, He's in the process of giving what we call in John's gospel, the farewell speech. It's a speech to his closest followers. It's really more of an after-dinner conversation. Jesus and his disciples have shared the Passover supper. It's the last one they will share before the crucifixion. And after supper, Jesus kneels down and washes their dirty feet. And then he gives them the commandment, love one another. And now he tells them that he will soon be leaving this earth. And seeing the sadness in their faces, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. And you know the way to the place that I am going. But Thomas then interrupts, We do not know the way. One scholar compares this conversation that Jesus shares with his disciples to one of those conversations that kids often have with their parents when mom and dad are leaving home and a babysitter is there. As mom and dad go and get their coats on and wave goodbye, the kids say, where are you going? Can we go with you? And when will you be back? The disciples do not want to be separated from this one named Jesus whom they love, the one in whom they have found life and love and hope and joy. Lord, they say, we do not know the way. They are concerned that they will miss Jesus after he says farewell. Now, some have used this verse 
to make Christianity an exclusive way, to say that you are excluded if you don't believe what we believe about Jesus. You can say that, I guess, if you want to. But that is not what John says. John is writing to Christians. Jesus is speaking to Christians. In the gospel story, it is actually the Christians who don't really get it. Jesus' own friends who are longing to find a way to the fullness of life. This is not a modern conversation about what to do with folks who bow down to Allah or Yahweh or Buddha or nothing at all. John, John was not aware of this dilemma as he wrote the gospel. What Thomas and the other disciples long to discover is how to have fullness of life, the fullness of life that comes only in God. And Jesus tells them that this will happen, not by your own achieving, but by me. John invites us to give our hearts fully over to God, whom we have not seen, but whom has been revealed in this person named Jesus. So Jesus reassures his worried friends, saying, if you know me, you know my father. You do already know God because you have seen me. Jesus, you see, he doesn't give them tips to finding God. He gives them himself. Jesus reminds them what they already know about the way, that in him they have glimpsed God. Or as one person has written, Jesus is a window into the work of God. This gift requires a wholehearted response from us, or it means nothing. You know, just as marriage partners say to one another, I love you and you alone and no one else, or else the marriage is a sham. And so we give ourselves fully and completely to the one God of love revealed in Jesus. And that's one possibility for how you and I might hear Jesus's audacious claim, I am the way. But, but I think there's also another possibility. Maybe, maybe when Jesus says, I am the way, he means that if you and I pattern our lives after the way that he walked, that we will find ourselves also in the presence of that divine God of heaven. I think of Arthur Daniel, the one who gave the window, who patterned his way of life after the way of Jesus. Here in Kansas City, he helped to found what was then called the Crippled Children's Society. He served as a trustee of Baptist Hospital. He served as a life elder of the congregation. He was a compassionate father and a doting grandfather. And until his dying breath, he was devoted to this church and to its members. Jesus was always caring for the ones who no one else cared for, the lost and the forgotten, the sick and the lame, the outcast and the prisoners. His way was of nonviolence and turning the other cheek and forgiving his captors and loving his enemies. Is that what he meant when he said, I am the way? 
I remember one particular mission trip to Nicaragua. We had met a boy named Raul who had a terrible disease that was disfiguring his face. Raul was so ashamed that he always wore a baseball cap and rarely attended school. Every year, every year Raul came to our clinic and every year our congregation became more deeply involved with Raul and his family and we kept trying to find ways to empower them to find healing and wholeness for Raul. One year, our mission partners in Nicaragua sent us to a different village to serve, but they knew that we weren't leaving Nicaragua until we saw Raul. And so one of our elders and one of our deacons and our mission leader and I hiked up the mountain to find Raul and deliver some medicines and visit with his family. And I will never forget that hike. It was steep. It was muddy. It was breathtakingly beautiful. But the longer we hiked, the more I, aware I was that Raul's family had hiked this long way to visit our clinic. The hike was maybe 45 minutes or an hour, but it was like leaving one planet and going to another. It was just a tiny shack after a tiny lean-to where folks lived without running water or electricity. But on that hike, I felt like our church was walking the way that Jesus walked. And I felt buoyant. I felt that day like anything was possible. I felt like God was walking that way. And we were merely journeying along. In the early days of the church, even before John wrote this gospel, those folks who followed Jesus, they were called followers of the way. The goal was not to believe the right stuff. The goal was to walk in the way that Jesus had walked. But it seems like the moments when you and I are on that way are too far, too few. We are called to walk that way. We are called to live that way. And yet, too often, I fall short. We fall short. Try as we might, we eventually end up on a way that no longer seems like the right way, the way to a full life, the way towards God. Some of us have trouble finding our way back. During the pandemic, some of us have found that we are quite adept at using the remote control. I, I honestly, I used to have to summon a child or a grandchild to operate my own television, but now I can at least find Netflix. The miniseries, The Queen's Gambit, is based on a novel about a professional woman chess player. Beth spends a good part of her childhood living in an orphanage in Kentucky. And in the basement of the or orphanage, the custodian teaches Beth to play chess. Now, Beth, Beth is brilliant, and she advances rapidly through the professional ranks of the all-men's world of professional chess. But even as she advances, her own personal life is a wreck. 
She has never really been loved by anyone except maybe her roommate at the orphanage. Even her adoptive parents betray her. As she rises through the fierce competition, Beth hits a wall. She is completely stuck. She can no longer win. She is paralyzed. And then she learns that that custodian back at the orphanage has passed away. She travels back there with her roommate for his funeral. They stop at the orphanage and she waits in the car. She can't bring herself to go in. But then after the funeral, she changes her mind. She goes back to the orphanage. She walks in and looks around where the children are still living. And she goes down to the basement to that place where she learned to play chess next to the boiler in the mechanical room. And there, she sees a bulletin board, and it is filled with clippings from newspapers all over the world, pictures and headlines about Beth and her own professional success as a chess player. And through her tears, in that moment, she realizes all along, she was deeply loved and treasured. Someone was in her corner, pulling for her, beaming with joy about her accomplishments from a humble corner in the basement. She is empowered by this love. She is filled with energy and focus and returns with passion to playing chess again. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. That story is also in this window, a story of Jesus caring for the sheep. And Jesus says, I am the light, a story of Jesus giving light to the blind that they may see. And Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the door, I am the vine, I am the bread, I am the living water. And today we add to that story, I am the way. But here is the key. When Jesus says, I am, he is using the name given to God in the Old Testament. When Moses says, who shall I say sent me? God says, tell them I am sent me. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, he is saying that God is the way. The human race has cut itself off from God. Our access to God has been severed there is no way for us to get to God. But God comes to us. God makes a way. God is the one who makes a way to us. And God did that through a man named Jesus. God came to us in human flesh. When you and I are completely stuck in this life, it is God who finds the way to us maybe in the face of a custodian, maybe in a landscape too beautiful to behold, maybe in a song, maybe in a man who died on a cross. God is the way. Instead of us searching for a way to God, God comes to us finding a way to us. I am reminded of a story that Dr. Jean Bryce once told from this pulpit. It's a story that comes from the Talmud. A certain king had a son who became angry and ran away. 
The king searched him out, found him, and sent a message asking him to come back home again at once. The boy replied in bitterness, I cannot return. The king then replied in another message, Return as far as you can, and I will come to you the rest of the way. <laughs> 